0: Thank you so much Clint. Outstanding job leading us in songs this morning. Good morning, everyone Good to see all of you here this morning If you're here with us as a guest We want you to know that you are a special guest and that we're thankful for your Attendance and listen if you hear anything that caused you to have some questions in your mind then certainly feel free to uh, Talk to me afterwards and if I don't have an answer for you, maybe I can direct you to someone who uh, would let me also um, I say to those of you who are online with us this morning that you're welcome as well, and we're glad that you are are here. Before I get into the lesson, let me just bring you up to date on some of the things that are going to be occurring in our congregation over the next couple of months. Remember I did that series of lessons on reset because I was trying to get us reset and ready for when we really got things going again. And so now it's starting. And so on May the uh, 2nd, during uh, next Sunday morning's Bible class, we're going to have a ministry fair. We have over, I think, like 24 tables that will be set up back in the a fellowship area and other places that give you a description of our objectives and goals and plans for those ministries and you're encouraged to go around and look at those ministries and think about those that you might want to be a participant in and sign up for also there won't be any children's classes and so uh, parents you'll want to take your children along and allow them to look at some of those ministries as well to be a great example so connect grow and serve as we think about moving forward as a congregation Here's another announcement, and that is an invitation to the grand opening on May the 22nd of Ivydale. You know, we've been doing a lot of work up there, remodeling and and building. And so we're going to have a day of just opening up on that evening. There will be a free meal. Uh, Donations are encouraged. Transportation, if you need it, live inside items and of course the a tour of the new and improved facility I- itself and so you might be thinking about may the 22nd as a time that you could go up there for that uh that time together with one another and then on june the 4th through the 6th we're going to have a widow's uh or widower's a uh, workshop until death do us part uh what then This is going to be a great uh, seminar. It's going to be a great workshop from a a man who has experienced what it's like to lose a a mate. And so we want to encourage you to come in. So this is not just for those who have become widows or widowers. This is for uh, married couples because... The truth is is that one day one of you could find yourself in that uh, very situation as well as for others who want to be able to find ways to minister to those who have lost a mate. So let me encourage you, don't think of this as just being a a narrow kind of thing for just only a segment of our congregation, but to sit in a broader kind of aspect as we work together in helping uh, and healing one another. So this I think will be very important to us. So you recall last week, as I shared with you a lesson, I talked to you about uh, being heroes. And I said to you, that when you think about heroes, you think about heroes like Spider-Man or Superman or Batman or one of those kinds of characters. But when you talk about heroes in the bible men and women who were truly alive and 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 doing things in their lives in extra extraordinary ways well almost automatically we always run over to hebrews the 11th chapter and there we find what is called the heroes hall of faith men and women who by faith did extraordinary things they were normal people like you and me there wasn't anything extraordinary about them in terms of their talents or their abilities, or education, or wealth, or power, or fame, or any of those things. They were simply men and women who had such a strong faith in God that they believed that God could do incredible things through their lives. And so by faith, they were able to do incredible things. And so last week, I shared with you one story that I kind of cherry-picked out of those group of people there, and that was Abraham. And you recall, as I talked to you about Abraham, Abraham was a hero in his own right, but not because of anything that you could see outwardly in him. If a person was to judge him as being a hero or being a success from just outward looks, well, Abraham would not have been your guy. There wasn't anything extraordinary in terms of what the world would see, but when God looked at him, he saw someone incredible. And so the remarkable thing about Abraham that causes him to stand out in such great ways as a hero of faith is that Abraham, he believed in God. I mean, he really believed in God so much so that when God said, I want you to pick up your house or your home, and I want you to leave your your homeland and go to a land that you know nothing about, over a thousand mile journey away, and I'm going to make you a great nation there, and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed because of you, that was an incredible step on his part that he would believe God so much that he would do so and because of that here's what the bible says about abraham abraham believed god and it was accounted to him as righteousness genesis 15 and verse 6 romans 3 and verse 3 verse 9 verse 22 galatians 3 and verse 6 they all have this statement here about the incredible remarkable life of abraham who believed god so much so that he would do like i said incredible kinds of things because of the promises that god offered him now you recall last week that one of the promises that god made to abraham was that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed i'm thinking he's talking about our the spiritual idea of being blessed not necessarily material kinds of things though jesus promises even the abundant life if we will follow after him well, God said to Abraham, all the families of the world or the earth will be blessed because of your obedience, because you have put your trust in me. And then he made a second promise to him, and that is this. He said that God would, would bless Abraham with an error. Well, you think, okay, well, what's the big idea? I mean, people have children all the time. Well, that wasn't true about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah had been married for a lot of years. Abraham is 75 years old Sarah is 65 years old when God says to them listen I'm going to give you a male child. You will have a son who will be an an heir Well, that was an incredible promise given at the age of 75 and Sarah at 65 Ladies, what would you think about that? If you're 65 years old and God says guess what? You're going to become pregnant and you're going to have a child and you have a male child. What would you think at the age of 65? What would you think if this promise was not to occur and come to fruition until 25 years later? And now Abraham is 99, close to 100, which means his wife is 10 years younger. Sarah is at 90 years old and she gives birth to a son and they call his name Isaac. And in Genesis the 21st chapter and verses 1 through 5, there that is lauded. There it says, here's what's happened. Uh, Sarah did come to the term of her pregnancy. She does bear a son to Abraham in his old age. In fact, Sarah says, I've given my my husband a child in his old age. (laughs) Well, you know what? You're no spring chicken either, Sarah. But that was an incredible promise. And it, an incredible promise that was kept by God uh, through Abraham's seed, through the life of Isaac. He says the earth is going to be blessed and going to be saved because through that lineage is going to come Jesus Christ, the son of God, who will die on the cross for the sins of all of us, making it a potential for all of us to be saved. Now, let me ask you this question Can you even begin to imagine how much Abraham must have loved that boy? How much he must have loved Isaac. He's waited almost a hundred years to have this son that would be from his loins, from his bloodline. And I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. And then in the 21st chapter, it says that it comes to a time where where Isaac is weaned from his mother. And then you get to chapter 22 and we find a test. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to add this story of Abraham. Not only was he tested and said, listen, I want you to go to a land that you know nothing about. I also want you to do something else that's really going to really challenge you down to the very core of what your soul is. Look at what it says behind me. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about hebrews the 11th chapter verses 17 through 19 gives you the abbreviated count of what the rest of chapter 22 says i want you to think about what is just said there i'm going to test you you know when we think about god we think about god as a god of love and a god of kindness and mercy we sometimes think of god as a god that can be wrathful seldom do we think of god as one who is a tester and yet there it says that i will test you which as you go down through the scripture, you'll find out that God tests people on a pretty regular basis. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And so to think about God as a tester, that's kind of a hard to swallow, but God does a test him. In fact, I sometimes think he must test me almost every day of my life, trying to find out where is my commitment, what is my faith, uh, level so today is test day and so if you'll take just a moment and reach into your pocket or your your purse and if you'll pull out a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen I'm going to give you a test on the life of Abraham as you get ready to pull that out here's what we're going to do we're going to take the test and then you're going to take that piece of paper and you're going to pass it one person to your right and they're going to check your answers so about right now your hands are starting to sweat right I remember when I was in school, the teacher would say, we're having a pop test today, we're having a pop quiz today, and man, my hands would begin to sweat, so you can relax because I'm not really going to do anything what I just said. But it did make you sweat, didn't it? It did make you think, okay, what's my knowledge of Abraham? And you start to pull up everything you know about Abraham that maybe Richard is going to ask you. Well, those of you who are in school now, you know what it feels like when your teacher walks in and says, we're going to have a test today. And it's going to be one that I'm just going to pop. You're just going to get it. When I was in school in Dallas, I remember I had several instructors who loved that. They loved to come in and say, listen, you guys are required to read this textbook. You're going to have requirements to read X amount of pages on various evenings. And you need to know that you're going to be required for that information uh, when we have class. You're going to get pop tests. There are going to be pop quizzes there. It can happen on Tuesday. It can happen on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. But I want you to know that you're going to have pop quizzes or tests from time to time. And they almost do it almost like there was a gleam in their eye. Like, because they could see the terror that they were placing in the eyes of their their students. And those guys did it, too. They did pop tests for that information. Tests happened. In fact, I would say to you that when, you know, when I got done with school, I thought to myself, okay, the days of pop tests are over. No more tests. And then I discovered very quickly that life is full of of tests. At every stage of our life, there are going to be tests. You young people need to know that there are going to be tests. Tests don't end when you get out of school. The tests keep on coming at us. Whether you are a, a child or whether you are adult, there are going to be a test. You get married, and there are more tests that come into your life. You have children, and man, you have a bunch of tests that begin to happen with those children as they grow up, and at the beginning they're not, you know, they're kind of testy, but they're not too bad, but then they turn into teenagers, dangers, and that's a whole nother ball game. A whole other set of tests that are, are there. No matter which way we turn, we find ourselves being uh, tested. And sometimes we pass these tests, and sometimes we fail them. And when we pass the test, well, we feel pretty good about ourselves. When we pass a test, there's this sense of satisfaction that I knew it and I did well. But there are times when we fail the test, when we don't do so well. And when that happens, that can be discouraging. It can be despairing. It can just kind of get us down. Because we're going to go through these various tests. Well, Abraham, in his story, God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a test I'm gonna find out what you are made of so if God were to come and say to us today today is test day how would you do if God would say to you Michael today is test day how would you do Richard jewel today is test day how are you going to do Michelle test day how are you going to do I'm not talking about a test day in terms of your Bible knowledge The test i'm talking about is the test of commitment i'm talking about the test of faith if god were to ask you to do something or to give something up would you be willing to do it so abraham's going to go through a test look at chapter 22 of of genesis listen to what it says it came about after these things that god tested abraham and said to him abraham He said here I am. He said take your son your only son whom you love Isaac and go to the land of Moriah And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac His son and he split wood for the burnt offering and he arose and he went to the place which God had told him on the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance And Abraham said to the young man, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son's back, or on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife so that the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked together. Could you imagine the emotions that was flowing through the heart of Abraham? He knows what's up. He knows what he's about to do. He knows how much he loves Isaac and his son I asked him. Where's the lamb for this and all the while you know Abraham he knows who the lamb is and Then they came to the place of Which God had told him and he arranged the wood and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. So that's the story of Abraham and his willingness to sacrifice his son but in this story there are three tests that Abraham has to pass and and that's what I want to share with you very quickly the first one is the test of obedience notice it says that Abraham rose early in the morning God says I want you to sacrifice your son and Abraham rises, rose early in the morning and he saddles his donkey he prepares everything that needs to be had if you had been Abraham what would you have done if God asked you to make this sacrifice, what would you have have done? I mean, Abraham could have easily. He could have said, "Listen, have you forgotten? Remember, I was a hundred years old when Isaac was born, and Sarah was 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 ninety. You promised. You promised that through my seed, all the nations would be would be blessed on earth. Isaac is still young. He has no children. Have you forgotten your promise? I mean, Abraham. He could have had." you know, some really very strong arguments to try to change God's mind, but he doesn't do it. He simply saddles the donkey and he started to obey a God. That's hard to understand in this day of, you know, of optional obedience. We're not called to be a people of obedience. I mean, we have laws and everything like that, but we live in a society that has a difficult time with just that very word itself. Every time someone issues a command, we immediately start to think or reason to ourselves, why do I have to obey that command? Look at society around you, and you'll see a lot of disobedience. You'll see a society that really struggles with obedience. You see rioters and looters that are damaging all kinds of Things, but hardly any of them are arrested. There might be a few that are cherry-picked out of the crowd But there's a lot more than than that or criminals who do criminal offenses who are not arrested and prosecuted or how about children who disobey in school their teachers and the teachers don't have a lot of Things that they can do about it or parents that are you know, are very, so lenient with their children that they don't punish them And then they raise up children who don't want to obey. And not only do they not want to obey them, they don't want to obey their teachers. They don't want to obey those who are in authority. So we struggle with that. You know, We don't have to obey if we don't want to. And the problem with that is, is we get to thinking that God is like that. We get to thinking that, listen, we convince ourselves that God is just like us. And therefore, God doesn't mean what he says and that God doesn't punish for disobedience. God says, listen, do what I say, and we answer, well, maybe I will, and maybe I won't, because if I don't, there's no real punishment. Because God doesn't nail you in time, at the point in time when you're disobedient, but God says there is a coming day of accountability. I think Clinton's going to talk about that some this evening. There's a day of accountability when you might get away with it while you're breathing air, but you may not get away with it when you're not and you move on to the judgment seat. And so we get hung up in this idea of obedience, but when you look at Abraham, well, Abraham was obedient, so if God were testing your obedience, how would you do? Abraham, he got an A on the test. Without questioning or rebellion, Abraham did exactly what God asked him to to do. The test of obedience. There's a test of self-denial. Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice. God gets very explicit with him. Make no mistake, Abraham, when you go to that mountain, who's being sacrificed? Your son, your only son, your only begotten son, your son Isaac, that son you love, that's the one that you're going to offer to me. Abraham and Sarah had waited a hundred years, Sarah 90 years, to have this boy. And now later, he's asked to sacrifice him. Abraham loved Isaac with a greater love than almost anyone can even have for himself. And us fathers know about this, don't we? You know, we've talked about, you know, what if, if your child need you to give your life, would you give your life for your child and almost all of us in a very macho kind of way would say absolutely i would die for my wife i would die for my my children that is if there's no other way around this thing if there was no other way around it if there was any way to get around it i wouldn't do it but if it came down to that yeah i would suffer for my children but what if we had to do it and it's demanded of us to do it god is testing abraham telling him to do the hardest thing possible for any parent to even think of. Take your son, your flesh and blood, that son whom you love and offer him to me. Give him back to me. I gave him to you. Give him back to me. That would have to be so hard. We live in a time where self-denial is really hard to do. I saw a sign some years back of a church that had it on a giant billboard right on the freeway and says, listen, come to this church. Church is it's where it's all about you, really. It's church all about us. Now, there's no doubt that we all get something out of this, I hope. I hope we are blessed when we come to, to church, but church is not just about you. We live in a world that is very self-serving. We live in a world that says, have it your way. You deserve it. This is something that is your right to have, and we take that and we apply it sometimes to church and and God. When it comes to God and the church, for many, it is not about what God deserves or even demands. It's sometimes about consumerism. What is it that I want? And so we shop for the church of our choice. And we look for that place that's going to give me what I want or what my perceived needs are did you know there are places that do demographics for churches they do a demographic for a church in order they may be able to reach out to the consumer of religious kinds of things and so they do a demographic within a 5 to 10 mile radius of the church and they ask questions like what's the medium age of those people who live in your community? What's their median income? What is it that they like to eat? What is it they like to drink? What kind of shows do they like to go to? What kind of TV do they like to watch? What kind of movies do they go to? What kind of music do they enjoy? They ask all those questions and then they say what you need to do is you need to find ways now to meet the needs of your community in order to bring them back to you think about that for a second and so what happens in lots of religious places is the consumer oriented church uh, takes out all looks for all the society hungers and craves that they have and they wrap it up in religiosity and tell them this is what Christianity is and people they buy that Because Christianity is all about you. But I'm saying to you that it's all about God. And it's all about obedience to God and faithfulness to God and doing what he says. And God says that if you'll do that, I promise you this. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundant. I promise you the abundance of life. Come to me, ye who are weak and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I promise you rest if you'll give your life to to me. That's what the scriptures teach. And so people are not asked to deny themselves or to make sacrifices a lot, of, a lot of times. And so there's a watering down of the book. There's a watering down of the gospel. You don't dare tell people that they have a sin problem that is deserving of, of death. In our religious world, we have holidays. They celebrate the birth of Jesus. They celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We don't like to talk a lot about the cross of Jesus because the cross of Jesus serves as an indictment because it takes care of mankind's sin problem. All mankind has a sin problem. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God without any exemptions from that. All have sinned and fallen short. We all deserve spiritual death and the cross becomes an answer to that, but that bothers us. The cross is an indictment. It's an indictment that we are sinners. But you're not going to a out of pews if you tell people that. If you tell them that the cross must be lifted up. In fact, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. But we get to thinking that why, here's what draws people to ourselves. If you have great music, that will draw people. If you have hot air balloon rides, that will draw people. If you have hot dog and hamburger barbecues, that will draw the people. That will draw the people. And I'm not saying I'm even against that. I'm simply saying that the central message of the gospel is not those peripheral things. The central message of the gospel is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins so that I could live in eternity With God, but the whole idea of self denial and sacrifice is foreign to a self indulgent society. I want you to know that a watered down gospel may get a lot of people in the pews, but it will not, it won't bring anyone to the cross. In fact, the watered down gospel really is no gospel at all. Listen to what God says to Abraham. Abraham. I want you to take the most precious possession in your life and give it to me. And Abraham, he passed that test too. So how about you? You need to be really honest with yourself, okay? What's the dearest thing that you hold to your heart? The dearest thing that you hold to your heart Are you willing to sacrifice it to follow Jesus? Let me soften it for you. What are you willing to give up on Sunday to be at church other than that, if you are at risk physically because of this COVID, what, what would you give up for the Lord on Sunday where he has asked you to come and to worship him and to remember his son and to remember that sacrifice for your sins what would you be willing to give up what's the dearest thing that you hold i could go down to a list in fact if you were to see my notes up here you would see i have a list like that of the things that we sometimes put before the lord but i'm going to leave that up to you you just be honest with yourself what's the dearest thing to you that you would give up for god abraham was asked give me your son and abraham said okay Test number three, a test of faith. He says to the young men that were with him, you guys stay here, I and the lad, we will go and worship and we will return. Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19, really says it in such a great way. Abraham, he didn't know what was going to happen on the mountain. He was gonna go up there and do what God said, but he didn't know exactly what was going to happen there. Abraham knew that God had given him a specific command and that command was to sacrifice his son. So he said, I'll do it, I'll, I'll obey he knew exactly what the command of sacrifice meant. He knew that the sacrifice was to be at Isaac himself. And yet in faith he said, "We will go and worship and we will return." Think about that for a second. We will go and worship and we, this son of mine, we will return. Wait a second, Abraham. You're going up on the mountain. You're going to sacrifice his son, and he's going to be dead. How's that going to happen that we're going to go back? Well, Abraham didn't know what was going to happen on that mountain, but the one thing he did knew and was sure of was, was, was this. The Lord would provide. That's what he told Isaac. Father, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. I trust him in that. He knew that. And that's what God did. Look at this incredible passage of Scripture. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now look at what he says here. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death, from, from, from death. In Abraham's mind, Isaac was a dead boy. In his mind, in his heart, he was dead. When he went up on that mountain, his son was dead. And yet, he says, by faith, he knew that God was able to raise the dead back to life. And so in a sense, he did sacrifice his son. And then he received him back could you even begin to imagine the relief of not only having to sacrifice your son but then to receive your son back Abraham was obedient without question or argument or Abraham was willing to deny himself of that which he loved more than anything in the world to be pleasing to God Abraham was a man of faith who was willing to entrust his son's fate and his own fate in God's will, knowing that God would provide no matter what. So what is it that you would give up? That God cannot give back to you in spades. And the answer to that is, is, well, you can give everything to God, and God will take care because God is a God who provides. I'm going to be honest with you, I would love to have a faith like that. A faith that never questions what God is doing, that never argues with God, but always is obedient to him, trusted him in him and all things that would work together toward good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. My words, God help me to be in my heart and to really mean in my heart when I say to you, not my will, but your will be done. Because Abraham passed the test of obedience and self-denial and faith, God kept his promises, and we today are the recipients. That's why we're here. There was another father who had to make a sacrifice if he were to save those that he loved. But to do so, he'd have to sacrifice his only son, his only begotten son, whom he loved more than any human could possibly ever imagine. But in this case, there could be no other sacrifice, and there would not be a substitution. He would sacrifice his son, and his son will die, and he'll be the perfect sacrifice. Of course, you know we're talking about God now, don't you? And our father and we know that we're talking about his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. God provided a perfect lamb, the lamb of God who would bear the sins of the world. Can you even begin to imagine what was going through our father's mind as he, how he must have felt when his son was pleading in the garden of Gethsemane, not once, not twice, but three times, father, if there is any other way that this can be accomplished. But not my will, but your will be done a second time. Father, if there is any other way, if there is any other substitute, but not my will, your will be done. And he does the same thing a third time. And both times from heaven, there is silence. For he must die on the cross. Or can you imagine the heartbreak of the Father? when he had to turn away from his only son, his only begotten son, the son that he loved throughout eternity, and to hear his son say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for God, his father, to have to turn his back. Can you imagine? I can't even get my mind around that. So why did God offer Jesus, the Lamb of God, to die on the cross? And the answer is because of his love. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you, Veronica. For God so loved you, Don. For God so loved you, Perry. For God so loved you, Karen. For God so loved you richer that he would give his only begotten son. God provided a way for us to come back to him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in in him. So today is test day. Are you ready for the test? Are we passing the test of obedience and self-denial and faith? How are you doing, honestly, how are you doing in the most important school on the face of the earth? May God bless you as you consider those thoughts. And as you consider your obedience and your denial and your faith in the God who can save you, but you've got to be willing to give the most dearest thing to you. And if you have any question what that most dearest thing to you is, the most dearest thing to you is your soul. Because it's going to live on for eternity. You need to be able to answer the test and answer the questions honestly. gather we stand and sing and give you opportunity to respond if you need to do so at this time.